Hey, welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Minoknuku. I now have a published book called My Menopause Memoir, and you can easily access this from Amazon. I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can get your copy too. Hi, I'm Tracy Minoknuku from The Menopause Memoir, and today I'm actually going to read through two symptoms, chapter three and chapter four from the book because they are closely related. So chapter three, hot flashes. There is nothing more coincidental than being awake writing a chapter on this symptom because it's the exact same symptom that has me awake at 2am. What better way to use my time than to write about it? I clearly remember the time I experienced hot flashes. They're also called hot flushes depending on which part of the world you live in. Living in the tropics meant it was essential to sleep with the air conditioning on. I've always been one to feel the cold, so living in a hot tropical environment is my jam. I never needed the air conditioning to be at the lowest setting, 16 degrees Celsius, and so a nice comfortable cool room and a yummy heavy duvet would always send me off to a blissful night's sleep. One night, I woke up feeling like I was on fire, and it wasn't a fever. I didn't feel sick, have headaches or body aches. It was a burning sensation on my skin, like sunburn. And that is the best way I know to describe it. It lasted around five minutes and then it melted away. The weirdest sensation. During those five minutes, I had tossed off the duvet, punched the air conditioning down to the lowest setting and wondered what I'd been dreaming about to set this fire to my skin. This happened a few times over the following months and by the third or fourth time, I knew it was a symptom of perimenopause. I'd begun to research what the heck was going on. Hot flashes was the first symptom that had me questioning what was happening to my body. Sometimes the flashes would pass quickly and I'd fall back to sleep and other times I'd be awake for longer and I couldn't sleep. Having hot flashes in the privacy of your bed is one thing, but having them in in public in front of other people is taking things to a whole new level. This is where it gets serious because... You can be just fine in a meeting, presenting in front of a group, having a nice cup of coffee with a friend one minute, and the next minute you're on fire, bright red, and losing your train of thought. You wonder, can they see this? Am I red? Will they notice? I mean, how long will this last? This is so embarrassing. This is the symptom that can send women panicking and off the edge, confused about what is happening to them. My recommendation in managing this system, this symptom, would be to strip off a layer, name and claim it, don't shame it. Something like, don't mind me, I'm the hottest girl in the room right now. Or, hot flash incoming. Or, give me a few minutes to enjoy this hot flash and I'll get right back to you. Or, I'm so hot right now, menopause. Feel free to use any of these and let me know how that goes for you. My guess is you'll get a lot of blank or confused stares from anyone under the age of 45 and some sympathetic smiles or laughs from the over 45 woman. Or not, because they still haven't found out what's going on, or they're in denial. Three out of four women will experience hot flashes, and that probably explains why menopause symptoms are so commonly associated with this symptom. A hot flash is a vasometer symptom or temperature malfunction that is caused by changing hormones. When estrogen levels drop, our body's thermostat, the hypothalamus, becomes more sensitive to changes in body temperature. 
The hypothalamus goes into overdrive when it detects the body is overheated and shunts blood away from the core to the skin. This sets off a domino effect of flushing, sweating, and the sensation of burning up despite the fact that your body temperature isn't actually rising. In chapter four, night sweats. I may have been dreaming that I was teaching a spin class when I woke up with sweat running into my eyes, my blankets heavy and wet. It's that real. This symptom had steam blowing out my ears. I grew up in Wellington, New Zealand, which is notorious for sub-Antarctic winds that would blow off the water and straight into your bones. Once I'd begun working and earning at every opportunity, I booked holidays in tropical locations to thaw out. This was one of the reasons I lived in Southeast Asia for 20 years. I love that heat and the heavy, warm tropical air. Many people complain about it, but that feeling of never being cold was worth the occasional sweaty shirt and ruined blowout. Then the night sweats kicked in and it was just disgusting. Not only are your sheets, duvet and nightwear soaked through, but you can't change the bedding at 3am with hubby fast asleep on the other side of the bed. So you strip off the wet clothes, take a shower, lay towels on the bed, grab another blanket and hope to fall back to sleep. If it wasn't for the cold chills that would follow. The next morning... There is the task of stripping the bed and hanging out the duvet to dry and rebuilding the bed at night just to have it all happen again. Estrogen and progesterone hormones can fluctuate any time from your mid-30s. For most women in perimenopause, the wildly fluctuating estrogen and gradually lowering progesterone confuse the body and mess with thermoregulation. Accumulation of inflammation from exercise, stress and diet can also affect your body temperature. I was amazed by how much adequate and specific nutrition for menopause and the implementation of an alkaline diet played in reducing my flashes and night sweats. There are a number of studies in support of a plant-based Asian-style diet, which includes soya and tofu, and research supporting a modified Mediterranean diet for managing the same symptoms. The jury is still out on the effectiveness, but both eating styles are anti-inflammatory and predominantly plant-based. Here's a story from a dear friend of mine in Australia, Kim Edwards. I'm Australian, 46 years old, and I've lived in Asia for more than half my life. I started experiencing menopause symptoms when I was 39, and my period ceased at 43, very young. Living in Asia, there wasn't any outlet for support through medical practitioners or a community. It's not something that is spoken of. The night sweats bothered me the most because... While I had hot flashes, I could manage those. The sweats came with so many things, sleep disruption and the roll-on being that I was too tired to do anything the next day, too tired to get up and exercise or do anything kind and good for myself. I really need sleep. I'm not one of those people who can get by on five hours of sleep. I need my eight hours of solid sleep. I was working as a teacher throughout this time and it was a very difficult time in my life because teaching is emotionally and physically demanding. I was waking up any time between 2am and 5am and many, many times. Sometimes I would have up to 10 sweats at night. This was not just waking up in a sweat but being awakened by an adrenaline rush beforehand which would wake me and then 10 seconds later the sweat would kick in. My whole body would be covered in sweat, my pyjamas would be soaked, the sheets being soaked and I would be extremely wakeful after each episode. 
it was difficult to get back to sleep. This started to impact on my mental state and my ability to manage my emotions, causing me to overthink while I was awake in the middle of the night. I couldn't find anything that would provide relief and I didn't know what was happening to me. The impact of this meant I found it increasingly difficult to manage the daytime activities and the stress started to pile on. It was hard to find the energy to spend time with my three young boys who were one, three and five years old at the time. Thanks, Kim. So here's some tips for supporting hot flashes and night sweats. Implement some of the sleep tips from chapter one as a priority. And if you haven't started with this chapter, I highly recommend that you go back to chapter one, either in the book or in the podcast. Eating too much protein close to bedtime can also increase body temperature. The process of digesting protein is a heat generating bodily function. High levels of protein can also cause stress to the kidneys, thyroid, gut, and liver. Whilst we want to digest adequate protein to maintain lean muscle tissue, we don't want to ingest it all in our main nighttime meal. Based on research by Dr. Stacey Sims, an expert in woman-specific fitness training, her recommendations for women in the menopause life stage suggest 2 to 2.4 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. If you are a physically active woman, the higher end recommendation correlates with a heavy training day and the lower end recommendation with lower activity levels and rest days. Say if you are 70 kilos, your target protein intake would be 140 grams per day. Aim to get 30 to 35 grams per main meal and the balance in high protein snacks, which include nuts, seeds and dairy. This will ensure that you meet the adequate recommended protein values for healthy aging. Introduce soy products such as tofu into your diet to replace some meat meals. Soy contains isoflavone compounds that essentially mimic natural estrogen and no, soy doesn't cause breast cancer. Ground flax seeds contain phytoestrogen, so try adding ground flaxseed to your smoothies or yogurt. Whole flax seeds don't produce the same effect. Weaker forms of phytoestrogens are lentils and chickpeas, and they are great sources of alternative proteins to meat. Have spicy meals earlier in the day if you're a sucker for the spice. Eating spicy foods for dinner can bring on the heat at night. Alcohol, for those that like a glass or two. I'm hoping you will keep reading the rest of the book about this tip, but cutting back or completely abstaining while you aim to get your sleep under control is the first step. If you're planning to have a drink, then finish your last drink by 7pm. Limit your caffeine to the first half of the day. Daily HIIT workouts, high intensity interval training, will increase, begin to increase inflammation in your body as your hormones start to change. When estrogen begins to lower, your blood vessels constrict and become firmer, resulting in a rise in cortisol levels. The thyroid hormones will start to work harder to deal with the excess cortisol. Extra heat is produced any time any function of the body is put under pressure and is needed to stabilize hormones. This is similar to when you have a fever and your body is in fight mode to rid itself of the bacteria or virus. If you need your HIT fix, break it up into three times 15 to 20 minute sessions per week and alternate with heavy strength training. Heavy strength training and high intensity training is best done in the morning when the cortisol levels are already at their natural peak in the body. 
If you are sore or tired, don't exercise. Try some gentle movement, a walk, a stretch, some Pilates or yoga. And let's expand on the sore or tired tip. A perimenopausal woman will experience more post-workout soreness as her body struggles to recover from the effort and battles against inflammation and lowered estrogen. This is your body telling you it needs rest, so rest. Daily high-intensity workouts will work against you and your symptoms. Integrate stress-reducing activities such as walking, yoga, mindful breathing, journaling, and any hobbies that help you to relax. Have a blood test for the following. Vitamin D, folate, vitamin B6, and B12. These are the essential blood markers that are also linked to changes in hormones. Vitamin D is a highly recommended supplement. As estrogen lowers, the estrogen receptors in the skin aren't as efficient in vitamin D absorption as before the menopause transition. This will impact on your calcium absorption, which is responsible for bone and heart health. The general recommendation is that women 19 to 50 years should be supplementing 15 micrograms vitamin D daily, and women over 50 should supplement 20 micrograms daily. An expert recommendation is that you discuss with your GP the following, your BMI, the time of the year, sun exposure, and whether there's any history of skin cancer in your family. If you've been experiencing gut issues, consider tests for food intolerances and food sensitivities that might be causing inflammation. And for hot flashes in the workplace, speak with your employer about a menopause support plan. This would include sweat wicking materials for uniform, desk fans, and cooler areas to work from as a start. Thanks for listening to chapter three and four from my menopause memoir. My recommendation is to just get the book. You can get it from amazon.com and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you listen on Spotify, please have a look at the poll or the question that I put at the end of every episode. I'd love to get your feedback. And if you like the Sexy Aging podcast, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, subscribing. You know, we need to get the word out there to all incredible midlifers that they're not alone, that their ideas are valid, that their hormonal changes are real, so that they feel not alone. I'm also going to be putting out a bonus episode every Friday where I break down one of the symptoms from my book, My Menopause Memoir. If you haven't yet got the book, check out the link in the show notes. It's right there. You can access it as an ebook or paperback on Amazon. I hope that you uh, enjoy the show and enjoy the book. Take care.